From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest and their pets bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. Uh, this week, our guest is Devon Taylor with a cameo appearance by his adorable French bulldog. Uh, he's a photographer and co-host of the Bloody Bunts, Bloody Bunts, Bloody Blunts Cinema Club podcast hello devon you're finally on the show we're very excited yes hello hello i am so excited and yes uh cal and harley are both pretty excited as well um <laughs> sorry about that on the it's like it's i don't even know how they know i have headphones on so it's like it's i don't even know how they anticipated that <laughs> like my cats know it too it's like mm-hmm. they just know like, oh you're not paying full attention to me it's time to make a ruckus and <laughs> like uh-huh. chaos absolute chaos <laughs> Okay, so pets aside, let's take it back to the beginning. How did you get introduced to horror? Well, you know, I think it's uh, whenever you're, when you get into horror pretty young, there's always somebody uh, that kind of shepherds you through, I suppose. And uh, so I had, uh, it was my uncle 
And then also my mom, uh, they were both big into horror and uh, both introduced me to stuff way too young. I, I was about seven whenever I watched um, The Fly and oh, Nightmare wow. on Elm Street and and uh, and Cube. So those are like the first like three that I remember. I don't remember the specific yeah. order. Cube Rules was was my backup choice uh, for for this episode. I have never seen Cube. Cube Rules. Okay, cube rules. Uh, it ruled. It it walks so Saul could run, uh, but that's a whole other conversation. And um, <laughs> but yeah, so so I started off with like that Nightmare on Elm Street, and then I remember my uncle being like, "Okay, like you 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 like this stuff, so let me give you something like crazy." And then that's when the fly came in. Uh, so it's like I, I got a, a pretty quick crash course, like very quickly. I'm and guessing um, the uh, Cronenberg fly, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Cronenberg's fly. And, uh, and yeah, that, that, that arm break scene was like, that's literally the scene that like got me hooked. Like that was like, as soon as I remember seeing that scene and like being like looking away, but then like, I remember like literally wanting to rewind it and watch it again for some reason. I was like, (laughs) why do I want to see this again? Like that was disgusting. And, uh, I think that was like kind of the moment where I was like very fascinated with, uh, horror. So, um, so I would just kind of go through our, our VHS collection, uh, we had, you know, between my parents and my uncle, like they both had like, you know, vast collections, uh, not as much horror, but, um, you know, I did go through and find the horrors that I could find. Um, my, I, I grew up mainly with my younger sisters and at the time, you know, they, um, were, you know, if I'm, you know, eight or nine watching these things they're they're, you know, five or six, so they can't really, they can't really watch horror. Uh, just yet you know it's uh, too scary for them even though i would like kind of trick them into watching blade uh, and, <laughs> and it, fucking rules so who cares blade <laughs> does rule. Scary. blade does rule and um so so i think you know what led me in my choice today was you know trying to find something that i could still watch with them that was still scary and exciting but it wasn't you know directly horror though rewatching i'm like man no this is totally a horror movie um, oh, we will get to that don't you will. worry <laughs> yeah so but but i think this was a, a little safer a little more fun for them to be able to watch with me and like we would just all watch this uh together and um yeah and i'm i'm very excited to talk about today so what were some of um your favorite horror movies growing up you know, growing up, um, again, like, yeah, Blade, uh, you guys can go check out the psychoanalysis uh, episode I just did and hear all about that. Blade was uh, a one that was in heavy rotation as a kid. Um, and like I said, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I kind of jumped around like between just like I really tried to like, you know, I, I would watch some haunted house stuff like uh, like the, the 1999 House on Haunted Hill or or uh, the 13 Ghosts remake, you know, a great double Ugh. feature right there. Um, yes iconic double feature yeah so it was like i would dabble into like the haunted house stuff but then i would find myself uh being intrigued by like the sci-fi and you know like the fly or like uh species uh way too young to watch species when i did jeez oh, wow <laughs> such a horny movie very um, horny movie you know so i would i would really just like i would poke around to like all the different ones i wasn't big into slashers as kids i, okay. I really didn't like grow my slasher appreciation till kind of recently so yeah, I, I I would just kind of poke around and just um again it was just kind of whatever uh you know spoke to me off the the VHS shelf or if I was lucky enough to get my own horror pick from Blockbuster I was usually outvoted because of younger siblings but um 
but on those times, you know, that's whenever I was like, Ooh, okay. Now I can really like find something fun uh, to dig into. So you watched a lot of horror movies as a kid, but were you ever scared? Like, were you a scared kid at all about these movies or in general? You know, I mean, early on, yeah, definitely for sure. But I, I definitely feel like I'm one of those people since I started off young that the the fear kind of wore off and then it became like more just trying to find like the most interesting weirdest like imagery you know just like what is like you know like you know and and trying to find something that fascinated me but I still would get the thrill you know like I definitely I mean I still you know now get the thrill of watching but I guess I don't get scared anymore per se um uh, and and now it's just you know kind of more about exploring like you know, all these different ideas, um, you know, once I, uh, I kind of credit it follows is the movie that kind of made me change my thinking about horror movie, it went away from, you know, trying to find the thrill of it to like, I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, these are the storytelling, like possibilities that horror offers. And like, there's horror movies about like, like things and themes and stuff. And they are presented, you know, in very unique ways. And like, it was just a movie that I was just like, it, it, like, it was kind of the movie that, you know, inspired me to start thinking like, I think I want to make horror movies at some point because like it just seeing the, uh, you know, there's just no rules. There's no rules in horror. So, um, it, you know, as far as a genre that, you know, affects you viscerally and emotionally, but then also just has these wild storytelling abilities. Like, I, I mean, there's just no better genre, you know? I agree. It's true. So, Aside from the movie that we are talking about today, I know that there were a couple others that probably scared you as a kid. What do you have any any brief stories about movie other movies besides what we're talking about that terrified yes. you as a kid? I do. I've I've had a collection of stories that I was like, okay, depending on what pick yeah. I get to talk about on here. Um, but I will share uh one of the the funnier ones. Um, because I'm a big Candyman fan, as you guys know. And I remember, so it was like, um, because included with my uncle kind of shepherding me through things, I had um, my older brother and cousin, they were both six years older than me. So it was, so that's a tough age gap, you know, like they're very much older than me. And they were the ones that are like, you can hang with us, but if you hang with us, we're not going to treat you like a little kid, you know, like, like, if you're going to hang, you better hang. I so, was that older brother. My brother is eight years younger than me. And and so I, yeah. I know that I know that mindset. It's a tough gap. Like that's a very mm-hmm. awkward uh, age gap. But but my younger siblings were, you know, younger. So I was like, well, if I'm if I get the choice, then I'm gonna try and ride with the big boys, which, you know, they tortured me and scared the shit out of me at any chances they could get. After after watching Cube, I used to be a very heavy sleeper. So we watched Cube and I was terrified of like waking up in some sort of like, you know, trap or situation. So, so they took me from, we watched at my grandparents' place and uh, he had a, he had a church off to the side that he uh, preached at. And so like in the, we watched Cube, I'm terrified. I go to sleep and because I'm such a heavy sleeper, they were able to take me from the house and they carried me to the kitchen, like in the church and like carry me and then like had like all the lights off and stuff and then like and then so just like the shock of me waking up in like a different area that oh, I like fell asleep no. terrified me I was so I was so scared uh so that's that, so mean <laughs> you know 
like in again testament how heavy of a sleeper i was yeah I, yeah I, jesus i wish i was still that heavy of a sleeper that was <laughs> that was too a, good lord <laughs> yeah so you know i definitely had one of those but um but the the story that takes the cake for sure is um we watched we watched candy man and uh but previous to watching candy man my brother hyped it up with the legend you know he's like hey we're gonna go in the we're gonna go in the bathroom and we're gonna do the thing and this was before he even showed me the movie so like he's already scaring the shit out of me so like going into the movie i'm terrified right and we watched the movie in my uncle's basement it's blacked out it's all dark and like i mean we we watch it you know they're they're jump scaring me throughout the movie and then um, it was a it was a very large basement, so we would like play games and stuff. It was like you know somewhat finished, but like we were able to like uh, roller skate down there and like do all sorts of dumb shit. Hell yeah! And so so we're like we're running around, and they're like, all right, let's play, let's play, uh, you know, tag in the dark or you know whatever. And there were like five of us uh, down there, like my cousin, brother, and my uncle's friend, and we're playing. And uh, we have the, and when I say the lights are blacked out, like we would like tape out over the windows. We put, you know, towels under the door. This was pitch black, like darkness. And it, that was like half of the game, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm like, you know, navigating my way through and I'm like in between like a bunch of boxes. And my uncle can do a like ridiculously good Tony Todd impression. Oh, and he no. and all he did was like i mean i'm like fumbling around the dark and he says my name in like Candyman's voice like i mean just rumbles it and so in in this unfinished basement there's a uh there's a giant giant pole in the middle of the in the middle of the room it's kind of off to the side so we can avoid it but um and we kind of we know that it's there but me and my fear like i just turn around wherever i was i go to take off running and then boom, I smack my like head oh, on this no. like pole, knock myself out. I like, I like, I literally pass out for like, a, for like a bit, knock myself out on this pole. Oh, and then God. they like turn on the lights and like, I got like blood coming from my forehead and they're like checking my nose, make sure nothing's broken. And I remember my uncle being like, don't start crying. Don't start crying. And I was like, uh, 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 it hurts. And they're like, don't start crying. Like if your mom hears us, like we're going to get so much trouble. And so it was like kind of one of those moments. And, oh man. And then it, and then it turned into like, you know, I got to choose a, a better movie to watch. I was like, oh, I won't play no more. I'm scared. So they like, let me choose the movies for the rest of the night. And then we played everything with the lights on video, whatever video games I wanted. So you know they made up for it, but it was. And you brutal. weren't concussed. I, 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 who knows? Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. They're like, don't tell mom. Well, who you're knows? Still here. Like, hey, yeah. hey, hey! I turned out all right, I think. But uh, yeah, it was. Wow. Uh, I had a, I had a giant like horn on my forehead for a oh good like three weeks. <laughs> wow, the Holy good shit. stuff. Wow, the good stuff. Has has any movie that you've seen recently? freaked you out or kind of given you that feeling of like quasi fear because I know like all of us you're probably jaded a little bit now like Mm -hmm. you were saying but is there a movie recently that you've seen that is like Mm. has gotten close to those feelings man I'm trying to think because like I mean yeah I I definitely have ones where like I'll I'll be like watching you know and in the I mean I guess the most recent one and I, I eventually, you know, had a very emotional reaction to it. I tagged you, Mary Beth, was uh, when I watched that. Uh, we're all going to the World's Fair. Yeah. 
and and like the way that they just use the the silence and like the the stillness of being on the internet late at night and like just like i remember you know like you know, no spoilers for the movie but like in the in the first half where you're kind of looking out for a lot of these horror things that you think are going to happen throughout the movie um they do just wonderful jobs of like having those scenes where it's just like you know pausing on her face and the multiple scenes that they do that it like creeped me out but then like even just that like slight scene where uh home the boy is watching one of her videos and she's sleeping and then it like her like face turns over and it like makes that face it's so it's so subtle but it scared the shit out of me because it reminded me of a time that i had sleep paralysis and so like her making that face like scared the like oh man it, it got me good like i i was watching like at midnight like you know totally vibed out with the blanket over my mouth and you know like like classic kid stuff so like you know i still have those moments for sure hell yeah it's so good oh man i'm trying to figure out something to write about it because like I'm, it's so good Ugh. so tell us a little bit about your podcast yeah Yes, um, you guys have, of course, both been on the podcast, The Boy Blunt Cinema Club, which actually, depending on the time that this episode's coming out, might be under a different name, um, question mark. I won't reveal it just yet because I don't know when this episode's going out, but uh, but yeah, the, it'll actually be going under some rebranding, um, but Boy Blunt Cinema Club is a podcast where me and my buddy, Garrett McDowell, uh we take a look at different subgenres each month uh whether it be a different subgenre or a franchise and we kind of uh try to find like you know the recurring motifs or themes you know of uh of these movies of that subgenre and like kind of like what makes them work in that subgenre i suppose um so that's kind of the way that we go about it we um just wrapped up doing some stephen king adaptations and then we're gonna be closing out the year with um some reanimator movies and cannibal movies so oh. we got a, we got a fun little lineup and then uh and then disney channel originals to close out the year so we got a, we got a fun little slate wow uh, what a what a year. fascinating the range. the range on that the, the, one the range i mean yes uh it, you know we we you know, we like to get deep and have some analysis, but we like to have a silly time as well. You know, I am a a stoner and, you know, smoke lots of lots of uh, things while uh, watching these movies. So we have a silly goose time, you know, silly, goofy time talking about horror movies. So if if people wanted to uh, to listen and wanted a good episode, if they've not listened before, besides mm. the two that we're on, because you can't you can't try to suck up to us that way besides those two what are like what is a good episode for people to start with yeah you guys definitely did have uh some uh very fantastic episodes love both episodes i did with you guys um but if i had to recommend people to start um i would say i would probably go with um we covered the slumber party massacre movies in march and uh, that was, so if you want to hear the way that we dissect uh, like franchises, I think that's a very fun one um, because it like also bounces around between subgenres within that series. Um, it was new for both of us. And, um, and you know, we, yeah, I think that uh, is a, a good like little series that like kind of encapsulates the energy that me and Garrett kind of bring, but then also, um, you know, what we try to do in the way that we, uh, break stuff down so i would say that's a pretty good one and um a personal favorite of mine is um the uh, good manners episode 
uh good manners uh is a, Such a good l- lovely werewolf film that uh i adore and uh me and uh michael Verratti a- had a oh. wonderful conversation about it so that's a that's actually a personal favorite episode of mine okay. and the movie okay i will plug our episode because we talked about cure which is an incredible uh japanese japanese horror yeah movie. and it's coming out on criterion in october <laughs> And I pre-ordered it forever ago because Cure is one of my all-time favorite movies. So everyone should go see Cure. Yeah, we... episode, but it was a really fun discussion because Cure is so weird. It's so hard to talk about in like the short period of time we had, but it was a really fun conversation because the, the movie is a mind fuck. Yeah, that was a that was a good one that we paired with a uh, Suicide Club, another great J horror as well. Cares. Yeah, that was oh, that a good was one. Awesome. Shout out to uh, shout out to the Skinnerman role. Uh, you guys have to go listen mm. to figure that one out. Disgusting. 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 I don't. I'm grossed. I'm grossed out. I'm grossed. I'm grossed out. I'm grossed. <laughs> I'm grossed. I am I'm grossed. grossed. Yeah, not even out. Just I am grossed. I'm just grossed. <laughs> like, we should um, make that a thing. Just say I'm what, grossed. What, I'm grossed? Yeah. <laughs> like the <laughs> shorthand. Save yourself some time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hey, throw it on TikTok. It'll catch on, I'm sure. There I'm we go. Sure. Hashtag I'm grossed. Oh I'm grossed. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but Devon, what movie did you bring with you today for us to talk about? Oh, I brought with me the drums, y'all, because we're talking Jumanji. Oh boy. Fucking God. Okay. Um, so here's the synopsis for Jumanji. Uh, when two kids find and play a magical board game, they release a man trapped in it for decades and a host of dangers that can only be stopped by finishing the game. And that, that I mean, that that does cover the plot very incredibly well. But boy, I was, we'll get to this and dig into this, but I was not prepared for how sinister this movie actually is on a rewatch. But take mm-hmm. us all back. Maybe that was for you the the same well my god what am i saying what are even words i mean i think what did it for me was like i mean there are just like there there's such high stakes in this movie like even though it's like yeah like they they make it out you know reminding you that you're playing a game but like i mean when you see just like by the end of the movie like the state of the house and the town and you just see how much they like really went through in this movie like yeah. it's harrowing it is and, and something about that like um because i because i'm i'm big into uh like the survival subgenre you know whether it be uh the death game kind of style whether in that vein or or in this case it like kind of blends like death game but then also like natural disaster horrors together mm-hmm. in a way uh-huh. and and yeah i don't know something about it is just like you know like knowing you know that there is a way out like you know like all they have to do is finish it but it's like literally there's no rules to the game except for they just have to make it through you know they just have right. to survive i don't know uh, is is very fascinating and just like it was it's just the the scope and epicness of this movie is just makes it so fun to watch too like i mean you know, this was they gave this thing sixty five million dollars and they used every penny of it, you know, to really make this feel just as big and epic and bombastic as it can. And like you just every situation, the way that they escal- escalate it just like makes you even more invested. But then like in your mind, you're just like, 
well, it is a game. So like, I don't know, like, could it, could I make it through this? Like, could I play through Jumanji? Like, you know, like it, it kind of gives you one of those experiences and the fact that it's, you know, adults and kids going through this uh, in this movie too, uh, just adds another element of weight to it. So uh, this movie, uh, like I said, like it, it's, it, it was, I could show it to my sister's and they were, you know, having a good time with it. But like, they were also scared, like, you know, when they're, you know, fighting an alligator in a monsoon, like that shit is scary, you know, like there's right. a lot of like really uh, horror-esque uh, scenes. But of course, like, yeah. but you look at the cover of this thing, it looks like a whimsical game adventure, it you sure know, does. like, like the, the cover of it's white. So it like, it makes it, it feels bright. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is fun. And it's like, no, like, this is serious. <laughs> So you kind of mentioned a little earlier about uh, introducing this to your to your younger sisters. Can you take us back? When did you see this movie? How old were you? Um, set the set the scene for your first watch of this film. So I'm thinking I had to be maybe ten or so. Um, so that would make them seven and six, uh, the ones that were watching it with me, and then my baby sister wasn't born yet probably or she was but she was a baby mm-hmm. um so yeah so fairly young and uh, i can't remember if they i think we rented it and then we rented it and really liked it um because i think i like recognized robin williams on the cover from like a different movie oh it was probably from hook oh yeah that would make I sense oh uh, yeah okay. i think i saw robin williams on the cover and then because I really liked Hook, so we rented it and then liked it so much, we eventually bought it and then we bought it and then just like literally like, uh, you know, we would we would kind of go in like even though we had like a massive collection, there would be like those movies that would just like kind of become like, you know, in the rotation that just would kind of always be on or would be like the movie that like like if we couldn't decide what to watch, then it's like, oh, let's watch Jumanji. And like it was like one of those ones I was like. Uh, never a no to watch it but yeah uh, just remember uh, again like every time we come back to it just like it still feels fresh it still has that like same energy to it every single time and uh and we just kind of got you know sucked into it like literally <laughs> uh, do you remember but, uh... in particular like scenes or anything that uh that terrified you or your your sisters Man, so I mean, it, the the movie doesn't play like right out the gate. Like, it really, it sets the tone with those opening scenes of like it's Alan. Like those horror movie cold open. I swear to fucking god, it reminded me of the opening to Jurassic Park with the the kind Ooh. of ominous soundtrack behind it and like mm-hmm. the forest setting. And it's like, what is going on here? And it's like a little mysterious. Like, it reminded me a bit of of Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, it kind of has back to back like uh cold opens in a way like it has like the the mysterious one kind of set up, you know, like the the mystery of the game itself and like what they're talking about and the drums. And um but then like yeah, like the the first time whenever Alan and Sarah are playing and just that that visual of the way that Alan gets sucked into the game and he's like he's like his skin's like all flat and he's like winded and he's like screaming um one thing i'll say about every person in this cast everyone can scream in this movie oh my good god, god. Yes. I, everyone in this movie but like but hearing him like just like wailing as he's like getting sucked in and like he doesn't know what's happening she doesn't know what's happening and and we don't know what's happening like it's just a hell of a way to start off a movie of like did they just kill a kid in the very in the second scene of the movie like what what is happening right now i thought this movie because I, I can't remember if this is pg or pg 13 but 
I feel like it'd be PG 13, but maybe a heavy PG. I'm not sure, but again, it's PG. It, it's PG. I just know that's, that's, that's the heavy. PG. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they stretch the PG on this one for sure. They sure and, do. It's, it's funny that you bring up that scene though, because um, there's, there's two things. First, when I tweeted out that I was watching this for podcast prep, Trace Thurman, friend of the show, previous guest said, who boy, did I have nightmares for months after watching little Alan Parrish scream slash beg for help as he got sucked into that game and rewatching this adult. I'm like, this is actually kind of horrifying the way that his like skin is like getting pulled, disintegrated, swirled into like a miasma and it just gets sucked into the, it's really horrifying. Yeah, the, the presentation of it all. I mean, James Horner's score goes so hard across this entire movie, yeah. but like he like there's like this like darkness behind it. Like so like in that very first scene, like it's like, no, like, hey, like there's some real danger gonna happen in this movie. And like, and then the implications of it too, like that he, you know, eventually gets out, but he spends twenty-six years in the jungle. Years in the jungle. What? Like and just like, like that is terrifying. And I totally forgot there was like the 1869 or whatever, like beforehand and like how they're like, and something that happens in this movie, like they don't really, they establish a lore, but not really a lore, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. But I totally, like, I watched this movie a ton as a kid. Like this was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And there are a lot of things I remember, but did not remember the like creepy, like horse-drawn carriage burying the, um, right? burying the game first. Did not remember that um, at all. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Um, So it's like you you feel the danger like literally instantly. And you're just like, what? Oh, like what's their problem? And I love even like the dramatic delivery of like, well, what's gonna happen if somebody digs up? May God have mercy Mercy on on his soul. soul. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then like we have like the classic rich kid story, and like his dad owns the shoe factory, Jonathan Hyde, who we lo- I love Jonathan Hyde. Oh, um, fantastic. And so this poor kid Alan is like a little nerd who gets picked on, and they have this gorgeous giant house. And there's all this talk of like, I don't want to be like a parish, and this like interesting discussion about privilege and like not wanting to like continue on this family legacy of like going to the same boys' school and like all of this stuff, which was interesting. It's not touched on anymore, but I was just like thought that was interesting. But then this house is fucking huge, mm. and he finds this game at the factory, and then it gives me haunted, like a little bit of creepy haunted mm-hmm. house vibes because like they play. So Sarah, his little crush, comes over. They start playing the game. And when she rolls that there's like bats coming, like mm-hmm. sounds of bats in the chimney. And then Alan gets sucked right into the fucking gate. And then the bats come out. I'm like, this is such a fucking horror movie. They chase her out of the house and the door slams on its own. Like it's such a scary movie. Oh yeah. And the the, the I, I wrote down the haunted house vibes too. Mm-hmm. Whenever, like as far as like whenever um like you know that we get introduced to Aunt Nora and like you're seeing like the the remains of this house and now it has legends behind it on like you know what actually happened to Alan. So it's like, you know, and this is a New England uh set movie. So it's like kind of has that like they say it's chilly. So I mean this feels like a, a fall spooky season. Like, you know, it sets yeah. up like that that it kind of has a folklore uh vibe to it of like oh yeah like everyone in the 
neighborhood knows, you know, or has a different story of what happened to Alan and like, no, nobody wants to go near this giant house anymore. So like, totally see that. The fact that the yeah. urban legend has spread, has like sprouted in this town that he, that his father chopped him up and put him in the walls. Cause that's brought up a couple times in this movie is <laughs> yeah. gnarly for a PG movie. The fact that that is what the town thinks happened. Father went crazy, chopped the kid up, buried him in the house somewhere. Yeah. What? It- <laughs> It's like, they're, I mean, there's a lot of mature things like throughout this movie, again, like for it being PG, like, you know, like the one of the main themes being, you know, uh, facing your past traumas, uh, you know, with the what? adult characters and like their PTSD that they have. And like, I mean, like I, this, this movie is so mature. <laughs> it's so, so to touch on that. So like, there's a couple things here. This giant house, the parish house is abandoned and this woman with her, niece and nephew whose parents have died in a car crash are moving to this town ski accident right ski yes was it was a car cause a car accident in canada mm -hmm. yeah on the way to skiing or something right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so they she moves into this small town in new hampshire and is like we're gonna make it airbnb and then (laughs) so there's a very so before i go into the kids with their dead parents gentrification is a theme in this fucking movie because she's coming in to make an airbnb and then you see this entire town is like there's a porn store people are like the people look like they're unhoused sir sir saves a lot (laughs) yeah there's like trash everywhere the parish statue has been completely like vandalized the factory is run down and i never thought that before as a kid of like this town is fucking falling apart. And then this woman is like, I feel like that, that like beginning force of like, we're going to make it better and a tourist attraction. And I thought that, again, it doesn't dive into that a ton, but it has these like sprinkles of it that are pretty obvious as an adult watching it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a dying small town. And she's trying to like breathe life back into it, but also like because that shoe factory closed and yeah. Alan disappeared basically everything fell apart and then the, the town no longer had jobs which and is I was like jesus christ like in the yeah. 90s especially like a lot of that i mean like that was happening a lot with like factory a lot of factories closing down so it was like oh well and i like that they parallel it too because it's like like you said like this whole town basically fell apart because alan disappeared and then like later on when they're playing the game like one thing because i haven't watched this in a few years and one thing i kind of forgot about was like how much they actually involve like the town in this too so it's like you know so it's like the town has already suffered from the game and then once the game starts up again it literally goes into like almost a near apocalypse mode like people are looting and raiding and like it's bananas yeah the end of days feel of this movie towards the end is everyone is literally like raiding the store is um was surprising to me because I'm I saw this like so I saw this movie I know I saw in the movie theater so that would have been 95 I would have been 14 um and I don't really remember much about this movie from from a kid I remember being entertained remember because I loved Robin Williams remember thinking he was great in it but like I had no memories at all about this movie so sitting down to watch this as an adult was like this is not (laughs) anything that I remember it's kind of like in that like little gray area that like um uh small soldiers came out around the same time oh too God. and also oh has uh, a similar vibe but that was from Joe Dante so it's like we we knew what to expect there but like with right. this- small soldiers 
was Joe Dante? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, so so that all makes kind of sense. But then like, but this is like, yeah, so much more like mature than than you think it is. And like, and I and I kind of remember like, yeah, like watching it young, it like kind of felt you know, which is uh, ironic for the series. Uh, when I was young, it felt like watching a video game. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, as each turn goes on, like, and they deal with each different uh, challenge, you know, feels like different levels of a video game. I think that probably was like what made it so fun to watch as a when you're younger. But then like watching it in this one, I just like, I felt like tired for all the characters because I was like, yo, they are going through like a lot of shit in one day, mind you. One day. <laughs> one day. Yes. So I mean, like, it, like it, it feels like this like long harrowing like odyssey that they're going through and like it, it plays just very differently. Yeah. And like, so I, I don't remember how old I was when I saw this movie because it came out in 95. I was born in 93. So I saw it on VHS after it had been out. And I loved this movie because mostly because I loved animals. So there was a lot of animals in this movie. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. Like I initially I was like, oh, cool. It's going to be like animals and jungle animals. It's going to be so good. The two parts that scared me the most were the fucking mosquitoes, mm-hmm. the giant mosquitoes. And they're in the car and they start poking through the top of the car and then oh, yeah. break the window. And I was like, absolutely. Like that was horrifying that, that the size of the bug and just like, I mean, it's again, it's a horror movie of them, like uh, something attacking the top. But let's not forget, though, that right before that scene, a lady crashes into an ambulance because she got stung by, bit by one of these mosquitoes. And she is like going to anaphylactic shock or something. Her body is like shaking as she's being let out. Like, what? In the background, they keep updating you on this, too. Because when that crash happens, they go, oh, this is like the 50th one today. So it's already gotten that number. And then like later on, on the radio, they like say something about like it being like a pandemic. They're like, oh my gosh, all these people getting bit by this thing and like reporting about it. So it's like, it really is like seeps into this town like rather quickly. Well, and so I wrote this down. It's like, this feels like the mist for children. It made me think about the mist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because Uh, the, the mist, a portal opened. And in Jumanji, a portal is opened and the town is fucking ransacked by creatures and things coming out of the portal. And that's happening here. The town is getting destroyed. The bugs are like, like there's other weird buggy creatures in the mist and the bugs hurting people. I mean, the town is getting absolutely destroyed by these things that came out of the portal. And it just made me think of like light with obviously a way less fucked up ending but it just had can you that- imagine <laughs> can oh you my imagine God. if this movie had like a mrs what her car carmody carmody marcia gay harden's character like the the preacher <laughs> well they almost do though van, because van pleat van pleat that fucking hunter is kind of yeah. like miss carmody coming out and trying to blast everyone to death we'll just well, they almost have a super dark ending whenever um, Judy and Peter and their parents show up to the party at the very end and everything has been fixed. And then the parents are like, oh, yeah, next week we're actually going to go skiing in, in Colorado. And they both go, no. And like the party stops oh, for I, a minute. I, I love So we literally saved them from becoming orphans. <laughs> like That's, we'll get to that because that shit's fucking nuts. That part's only what? fucking nuts. The other part that fucked me up as a kid was the plant. Mm-hmm. The plants. Between this and like the Harry Potter devil snare from the first one. Yeah, I was a Harry Potter kid. JK Rowling sucks shit now, et cetera, et cetera. But like something about giant plants 
fucks with my head. And so, and I think it's because of this movie because the vines come down like, oh, it's so pretty. And then the goddamn giant flower, which is like this incredible practical thing it opens up in the cabinet and tries to suck the kid in and it's just and then that paired with the purple ones that shoot the poison mm-hmm. darts out and just like the the vine like takes the car later also yes! like yeah the the vines uh scared the shit out of me too that 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 giant thing that like comes out uh it's gorgeous looking like i mean uh, so much of the practical effects that they do in this are just phenomenal like i mean again they they really used up all those resources but like the the scene where like where we get introduced to that big pod it like takes peter and drags him under the carpet for some reason that always like scared me as a kid even though i was like that would never happen to me but like ah what if it did like that was like terrifying see it all i kept thinking about was like it's audrey too from little shop of horrors (laughs) that's all i kept thinking about as a kid because like i loved that show that movie as a growing up and so like seeing this like oh it's audrey too yeah no i mean it's it like again like the the way that they just like kind of keep escalating as it goes gets like we go from literally like plant attacks to stampede and then the stampede like you know really like uh kind of escalates the the tension of everything going on because now it's just like all the animals are kind of going everywhere and and just the the mixture of the threats that kind of keep coming out like really keep this movie like very fresh uh, and I very much appreciate that we like get the natural disaster villains, but then also like Van Pelt that like comes out as well, which uh, genius casting uh, him as uh, the dad and Van Pelt uh, was uh, such a genius uh, idea. I want to touch on the practical effects because this they burned through their budget because there is some shitty CGI in this movie too, which is so confusing because uh-huh. mm-hmm. they have these moments of really cool practical effects and shit. And then you have the monkeys that are just... Girl, when the monkeys like show up in the kitchen and they're making a mess and we get like a close up on their face, I was like, oh, it reminded me of like that. What's that? There's like a gift that people use for a reaction of like some monkey that's like side eyeing the camera oh yeah yeah it, yeah no the the cgi uh can be definitely spotty i like when they like because it's not as bad when they integrate it because with the lion they have a practical lion and then when it would do like the fast movements it was cgi but they would keep cutting back and forth between the practical one so it made the cgi like not as bad versus like the cgi monkeys are just straight cgi so it looks so why. low res when I was watching it last night. It was like the when it, it focused on the face, I was like, "This looks so incredibly <laughs> low res." When they're especially, I think the moment that like really jumped out was when they're in the cop car and there's like the uh, camera my like favorite zooms scene in on their, of the whole. Movie. It's a great scene, <laughs> but it focuses on their scene that they're on their on a scene on the face and the the low res look on that face. I was like, oh. You I just lost like, your budget on the production design of this film. You know, I don't even know because, like, I also feel like the w- amount of times that they show the monkey and the stampede stuff, it's like I feel like they were like excited about it. I like because I yeah. feel like in '95, like you know, this is like exciting oh, yeah. kind of stuff. So it's like I honestly feel like they were like proud of the monkeys, and that's why they keep showing them because like the monkeys that show up like a lot throughout the movie. They do, but then like the two years <laughs> earlier, we had Jurassic Park. The- it blew Perfect. it out of the way with the cg like it's i don't know it just you can't it all be jurassic me. park terry <laughs> listen I, ironically um, though director would go on to do jurassic park 3, mm-hmm. which, yep. yes 
hilarious but the monkey scene in the cop car is my fucking favorite when they like shoot <laughs> off the gun and take the car it's like obviously the comedic relief but it always made me laugh as a kid and i was waiting for that moment because that's one of the ones i remembered was mm-hmm. the fucking monkey shooting the gun <laughs> and stealing the car and that poor cop just being fucking fucked with the whole movie just trying to get his car back <laughs> just oh to- man shout out david allen greer david, uh, david allen greer <laughs> Oh, he, he, is, he is so yeah so fun throughout like i mean you know even him aunt nora like every like you know like all the side characters are great but like the the kit the cast of this is like just impeccable overall like absolutely stacked everybody works together so well like within each other and i, I love it a cameo by patricia clarkson as the mom i know in like a single scene like so cool i mean a young kirsten dunst as so young little baby and this would have been after interview with the vampire came out too Mm -hmm. so she's already like yeah she's been she's been flexing already a little bit and and, yeah she she still keeps fucking winning god damn good for her Oh yeah, her her little thing where she's uh fucking with the real estate agent cracks me up. It's just like, oh, like look at this kid. Oh yes. About their dead parents, but like also <laughs> like, you know, she she plays that uh, you know, mature for her age like role so well when she was younger. Well, okay, let's talk about the dead parents because this movie is the most I had no fucking idea remembered at all like these intense mediations on grief and Mm -hmm. your past and like father trauma because obviously of the kids with their parents who died and one of the kids the the boy peter won't talk to anyone after his parents have died and they you know he talks to his sister but they're kind of trying to figure out their new life alan comes back after 26 years and has to grieve his fucking his fucking parents because he doesn't know their dad and he goes to their headstone and he's like oh my god like the last conversation i had with my dad mm-hmm. oh my god they're dead like i can't believe it but then you have sarah who this this was my favorite and totally forgot sarah who saw him disappear 26 years ago is now a like a hermit and a psychic or a medium who has changed her name has changed her name and is now has declared over 2000 hours of therapy to like deal with the trauma of seeing him sucked into the game and convincing herself it didn't happen and no one will talk to her everyone thinks that she's a weirdo and so like she's dealing with literally 26 years of trying to cope with this trauma you, you see her call her therapist when alan she's up at the door and she's like so that event that didn't happen <laughs> he's at my door and it's just like this poor woman woman is trying so hard to be a nor- like trying to get, like, live a relatively normal life and he just shows up at her door and just undoes it and she's like trying so hard to cope with it throughout this entire movie while being shoved back into the trauma of her being a child and it's just like yeah there's there's just like so many like deep implications like you have like the things that we didn't even see like you know like just in like just this time giant time shift like you know she's like had to deal with like this like you know like kind of identity crisis because people think that she's crazy and like you know like so it's like the way that it's like had a hold on her and then uh and again like the the fact that when you think like alan spent 26 years, 26 years in the jungle being hunted by someone that looks like his father being hunted like what i mean it is insane and like what? the the work that they do with like him being hunted by his father but then 
him trying to get through this situation and face his fears, but then the way that he's treating Peter and becoming his dad, it's like, break the cycle, break the cycle. Like who wrote in all these layers? Like, but then you like have the movie moments of like, yeah, poor Sarah, like she, you know, is flooded back with all this. And then like 30 minutes later, she's playing the game. already. So it's like, poor her, like that. She's literally just thrust straight into it with like, can't do anything about it. Yeah, I just really did strike me how much more complex this movie was. And I never really picked up on it much as a kid and watching. I mean, I haven't watched this for years and rewatching it. I'm like, this movie's really fucking sad. Like, oh my God, everyone is traumatized and people have died and everyone just needs a hug and a therapy. 2,000 hours so, of it. Uh, you know, 2, if you got, if you got 2,000 hours, hours to spare. And and I think that's where, you know, why this is like, you know, like why I can unquestionably say this is a horror movie. Aside from the the visceral, you know, like uh, the big set pieces and the, the natural disaster elements. I mean, we got creature feature stuff with all the animals like you got all that. But then, like, I mean, at the heart of this movie, it's all about, you know the way that we interact with fear there's uh the movie does an interesting like bounce neck going back and forth between you know saying like okay you need to face your fears and you need to be strong and chin up but then also these times where you need to admit that you're scared to be able to get past that fear like you know so they they go back and forth of like you need to be able to face your fears but like it's also okay to acknowledge that you are scared and to have these fears So the fact that they're doing like a two-hander with the fear is like very fascinating to me. This movie is so good. (laughs) My mind is blown about this movie. Jesus. It's insane. It, It does do one trope that I wish we would not see in film anymore, though. And that is, I'm just gonna say it. His dad is abusive. Oh yeah. His dad is abusive. And this this whole beginning start point where he like is telling his his son need to man up right and then he's after he gets beaten up he gets his lip split he gets a blackened eye he's home and his father is now handing him a pamphlet to this boarding school and what does he say you don't want me living here anymore like that is that is the takeaway for poor alan is that you are trying to send me off because i am in his mind not man enough is like the implication here and they have this like you know this fight yada 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 he vanishes he starts getting hunted by a man that looks like his father but by the end of the movie it's all taken away because alan takes the blame and that kind of bothers me that when he finally gets back and he is back as a kid and he like rushes out to give his father a hug and it's it's almost as if like you did this bad thing by getting this guy fired which i get is a bad thing but it's like all of a sudden i'm the one that put the the shoe on the belt and it's almost like oh you're manning up now and i'm like no your dad is a fucking asshole and this isn't going to change anything you might feel okay in this moment because you've been away for 26 years but like this abuse is going to continue and so the fact that it sort of glosses over that aspect of it kind of bothered me on this watch i'm gonna be honest which is a trend i think in a lot of a lot of kids stuff where like there's i don't know it just sort of glosses over things that looking back on as an adult is like oh, it's like abuse. it seems like abuse light which is not mm-hmm. there's no light form of abuse but like that's i feel like they do that in these movies like oh well like he's not like 
totally screaming at the kid all the time. They got into a fight. He's not hitting the kid. So it's like, oh, yeah, well, it's just it's, the way dads are. And I'm like, yeah, right. the way dads I mean, exactly. Are supposed to be. I, I'm not going to defend him uh, because he definitely is a shitty dad. I mean, like the way that he like snaps on him is so childlike when he's like, well, well, then whatever. Then you won't be a parish. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, it was like very immature. However, uh, the way that I kind of see it, because um, you know, I have I had a similar relationship with my dad while I was younger. No, my dad did not abuse me. My dad's great, but it they kind of have this relationship of like not knowing how to communicate between one another. Like the the dad, he's trying to you know he's trying to instill a lesson or ideas within Alan, you know, about there you know there there's a moment where you got to stand up for yourself, but then at the same time, like you got to be able to have empathy for someone that is, you know, scared like that, you know, but the dad doesn't have that. Uh, That's, you know, kind of what he's missing. And, you know, and you can tell just in the little conversation where you hear like at the school, they have a dormitory named after their grandfather and like all this stuff. So they're old money. Like, Mm -hmm. so this is, again, like it has been a cycle. His dad probably, you know, was even harder on him on the way that he, you know, was like kind of being tough because he says like, he, he doesn't give him the pamphlet until after this like moment. Cause he said like, Oh, well now, you know, you took him on. So now you are man enough. There almost seems to be like some sort of rite of passage between their family or something. But what I'm trying to get is like the, you know, there, there seems to be this just not being able to reason with him. Like his dad is, you know, trying to break the cycle of what the way that his dad raised him, you know, and you can tell that like, obviously like, you know, Alan has a nice life. So he's, you know, he he's not, you know, aside from that, but, but also like at the end of the movie, or there's at the, um, at the midpoint where Alan goes back to the factory and he um, meets the unhome man and he like asks, you know, what happened to the factory. And there's a nice moment, you know, where, uh, where we, you know, in, cause I think if his father was abusive, we would have gotten a different uh, moment here, but here the man tells him like, Oh, well, the the factory went under because your dad was put all this time and money into looking for you or well, not for I know, you, but, but that really frustrated me. Yeah, <laughs> it really frustrated me because I was like, where was this when your kid was there? Because he didn't know how. Okay, like, I, mean, I, like, I agree. But by the end of the movie, the father doesn't know any of this has happened. It's back to like normal. So what's going to change? Mm-hmm. And if the movie I mean, sort of glosses over that. Well, it, it, well, the movie just by its logic of like, it everything is undone pretty much like none of that happened so it's like yeah at the end of the movie like we don't really get that but like you know to to again like i connect it back to like my dad like he you know went the longest time not being able to like communicate certain things to me properly or my or my siblings and it took my dad like getting into this bad work accident he is like is like permanently disabled he had like a rough like couple of years of like really like forcing himself to introspect because he like couldn't work so it's like that's so i didn't get sucked into jumanji but my dad pretty much did and like yeah and like that after that that's like when me and my dad were able to like he was able like talk about his feelings we like started saying like like me and my dad used to be like the ones like we didn't say i love you on the phone over and up until even though we knew we loved each other but like we didn't it was like after that you know experience for him he eventually was able to start figuring out the ways to to communicate properly because he you know was able to kind of introspect that but of course you know alan's dad doesn't actually get that he does get a total cop out of 
you know, well, and I, I do actually think <laughs> kind of what you're saying. Like, I, I do think like our family situations, like color things, because like, I, I'm, I'm not going to get into it, but like my dad and I have had like, a, I don't know. <sighs> I, I see a lot of my dad in, in parish and I don't, I did not <laughs> get this kind of changed moment if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so like, there's still this emotional barrier there. Then there's a lot of internalized trauma from a lot of stuff that happened. So I, I guess when I see that, it, it just, it just sort of like, it's a sticks in my craw kind of point. You know what I mean? Like, just mm-hmm. cause I don't, I don't know. I don't see him having anything that would have changed. I don't think like he's going to treat him any different, but the movie seems to think that he mm-hmm. is. And well, because in the movie, he didn't get to, he didn't do any work. Alan did all the no, work. Alan did all the work. And I think that's, yeah. I think that's the and problem for me is that it's like, okay, yeah, he apologized to his dad for doing this thing. He's the one that, you know, culps the blame. But then I, I we just don't really get that from the father perspective because, of course, he's not part of the story. And so I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just, it kind of, it still sits with me poorly oh, the way yeah. it's handled. I mean, it's frustrating and maybe it could also be like some of the the generation stuff that they're going into it that, you know, that, you know, uh, especially with our generation, like, you know, the the millennials are kind of, you know, in grand scheme of things, kind of paying for a lot of the things that, you know, from the previous generations. And, you know, and that, that's kind of something that's never changing, unfortunately. And that, that's kind of crazy that this movie was, you know, almost 30 years old. Yeah. And and still things haven't changed to that degree, but like, um, but yeah, like Alan is the one that literally goes through all the hell of it, and like he doesn't deserve any of it. Like you know, he's he is you know kind of set up at the beginning of like yeah he has this privilege, but like he's also like it's privilege he didn't like really ask for, and it's privilege he's not really getting anything out of. Yeah, you know, well, I mean he is getting stuff out, but as far as like you know the things that he's dealing with. So it's like he is the one, like, again, like has to go through all these harrowing experiences. And at the end of the day, it doesn't, you know, matter because it technically didn't happen, but it did. The, the, it, it is frustrating seeing that it's like, oh, well, I did the things that I was supposed to do. And now the dad is kind of getting off with a pass because of it. And like, that is very frustrating. Yeah. I also, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to talk about the ending in general, so I don't want to change the subject if you don't. Nope, that's that's where I was going to go. I was I was uh, thinking about how horrifying it would be to be a kid with the knowledge of 26 years. I mean, but also just like, if I just started thinking about it. I'm like, so it's like a butterfly effect, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it's just interesting. It's like, if you, if you think about it a little too hard, the game killed their parents. <laughs> like, it's like, it's not, it didn't actually kinda. kill their parents, but like, <laughs> kind of it's like uh-huh. this weird <laughs> fucking thing but yeah they come so it's like the game took over reality in a way like for these kids mm-hmm. basically they finish the game finally they wake up and it's like oh shit like we, we're still here but actually but also like we have 26 years of trauma of very specific trauma on our so- shoulders plus these two kids that we bonded with trauma bonded with just don't <laughs> exist so you're just gonna have to sit there and i guess wait for them to be born and hire their dad at the factory oh God. <laughs> what kind of psychotic weird ass shit is like i'm i just like well, on the surface like oh wow but then the, like if you start thinking about it too hard you're like wait a second what and, and I love that um, I, I haven't seen the third one, but I have seen the second uh, movie after this. 
Uh, and they do kind of double down on it still too. Cause at the end of that, all the people still have their memories. And like the person that was trapped in the game, like named his kid after one of the players who he's not going to meet until like 20 years down the line. So it's like, they, they stick to it too. This like weird reality warping. It's yeah. The, the fact that they won the game and then got the opportunity. So they were like, okay, we got to hire their parents, but we got to make sure they don't go skiing. And we also got to make sure they have kids like what? (laughs) It's wild. I, okay. So you did bring up the sequel. I have seen the sequel, not the third one, but the second one, I don't remember much about it whatsoever i was looking at the wikipedia synopsis and i was like oh it does continue on the story because mm-hmm. i guess alan uh parishes they find his treehouse in the mm-hmm. in the game and stuff but i don't remember that movie being as sinister as this no one is no it was more like blockbuster superhero type kind of which where was the second one it's uh welcome, welcome to, to the, the jungle. jungle oh the 2017 one okay. yeah that's the one with, like the rock and jack black yeah. and shit right the, okay. I, and I do appreciate that they even still picked up off the uh, the post credit scene from this movie because the post credit scene from this movie is the beach uh, or the the game washes up on a beach and uh, it's people speaking French and then <laughs> at the beginning of Welcome to the Jungle it picks up on that on the beach again. Oh, does it really? It's a, oh. it'll, it's stuck to the twenty year uh, post credit scene. Love that. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. I was going to ask what the other, what those movies were like. Cause I've actually heard the first one isn't bad. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen oh, it. I saw fun. one. I saw that one. It was fun. I liked it. They did a, they do a, a yeah. The, the only tribute they do is uh, that one of the other characters that like got stuck in the game stayed in the tree house that Alan apparently built while he was there. And like, there's like a something initialed with it and like and something Van like Belt that. is in it too. The character. Yeah. Mm-hmm funny played bobby by bobby Canville. yeah and did you guys ever see zathura yes yes mm-hmm. i have okay. seen zathura also zathura, yeah zathura is like space jumanji terry so oh, it's okay. like two kids they find this game i think it's from the people who made jumanji like it's john favreau directed it and josh hutcherson as a baby is in it and so is dax shepherd and kristen stewart oh, josh hutcherson. i mean um, in the on the wikipedia page it's, it's under the sequel category it says uh it claims it's under the same in the same continuity so it's like okay, a spiritual that's what I, sequel that's what i thought but it's so i think like, it's i think the uh it was written by the same i think because like jumanji is based on a children's book oh and yeah i think, I think yeah. he also wrote is that what is it zathura zathura, zathura. yeah I think yeah, he also wrote that. Yeah. Yes, he did. You are correct. The house Chris Van Alberg. The house goes to space and they have to do like space. It's space. It's Jumanji in space. Okay. Maybe Kristen um, Stewart. And the Dak Shepard plays the astronaut. The astronaut that helps them is Dak yeah. Shepard. So it's like that Alan substitute. It's that it's pretty good. I liked it. I saw it in theater. That one's good too. It has like, and that one has like some like mature themes in it too about like sibling uh, relationships. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. that one. Oh, Derek Mears is in it too. Yeah. It's a lot of good people in it. So Frank Oz is the voice of a robot. Mm hmm. Huh. Yeah. 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 So Jumanji in space, it's out there for you. It's out there. I wish we got more like kind of more like that like instead of them kind of picking up with jumanji again like if they could just kept doing like these like spiritual ones like you know we got one in space we got jungle now we need an arctic one that'd be for jumanji and snow there's a there's actually a really cool horror comedy that just came out a couple months ago called gatlop which is like adult jumanji 
and it's like they're all confronting like the past and how they become like estranged as estranged as friends mm. and like it's like a board game from hell and they get transported and like have it's 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 oh. yeah so it's like jumanji for adults I, so th- now they made a board game on this movie <laughs> yeah. didn't they yeah fuck yeah. that People I knew had it, and every time I saw it, I wouldn't go fucking near it because I was like, I was so scared. It was like it was like my Ouija board. I was like, if I fuck with that, I'm getting sucked into it. Like I, whenever someone had it in their house, I would steer clear. It freaks me out. So I I did have one at one point. I don't know what happened to it. It's very depressing because I had like because they actually made them because now they just come in like the regular game boards or whatever. But they like before they actually made it with like the wooden like case and everything. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It it, looked cool as shit, but that's why I was so scared of it because it looked like the game. Like it was like the open box. Like it looked uh like the game. But it's disappointing though. The middle part is just like uh, they did it like a it's like magic eight ball style is how they do like the okay. like words in the middle. It's like in like a liquid and like it like moves. Wow. Yeah, good stuff. So do we want to wrap this up and give well, it a rating out of five? Uh, first, we need to talk about Robin Williams. <gasps> we do I have to talk about Robin. Talking about Robin. <laughs> <laughs> talking about Robin Williams. The lion, the, first... uh, the lion in the room. This. This was um this was the first movie I think I've seen with him in it since his passing. Uh no. I don't think I've seen anything that he was in since then. And that was like uh oh, it was heartbreaking. What a what a force of a of a man. I mean, and and this is like a a, a very classic like Williams performance too. Like this is him like giving you like all of his things. Like he gives you some drama in here. He's got the physicality. Like mm-hmm. he's got the jokes. Like uh, he's got the faces. Even like I mean, my, like my favorite part is when he's like sniffing out the kids and he opens up the closet and sees them and he goes ah and just closes <laughs> the closet door. It's such a, a small moment, but that moment like just had me laughing. He, but you're right he this like does encompass a lot of what he brings to the table of the the, the dramatic the the childlike nature that he kind of mm-hmm. imbues his characters the humor the the faces like this is a quintessential role for him and it's not as much over the top as some of his other performances no it's like it's kind of like the perfectly calibrated like from i know some for some people Williams can be a little bit too much like I mean I love everything he does but uh, I I totally but like for this is like the perfect like dialed in of like you like you know just like the ridiculous scene of him like hanging in from the ceiling and he's like no put the dice in your mouth he's like making like dumb faces I'm just like even in this like you know perilous moment we're still getting like Williamisms in there and uh, yeah I mean in the fact that you you gotta remember he's playing a what 13 14 year old boy who's been in a jungle so he hasn't been you know acclimated so it's like he still you know doesn't know things so it's like the the performance he's giving is like like he's doing it mm-hmm. and i i don't want to make you sad mary beth but i know you have like a, <laughs> a, a special attachment to this this actor this man yeah i'm not looking at the screen because i'm getting emotional it's i'm so, sorry it's- no no it's no it's important to talk about him because he was the first like him and anthony bourdain were the only two celebrity deaths that have like fucked me up when i found out robin williams died i sobbed for hours 
and I don't think I understood how much he meant to me as a kid. I, I mean, like I grew up watching all of his movies and one of my favorite movies of his is Patch Adams where he plays the doctor and like mm-hmm. that, like he's just like so incredibly empathetic in this movie, in that movie. And then like just everything about Robin Williams just like was so warm to me. Mm-hmm. And he always felt like, even when he was in fucked up, like I didn't, I haven't seen a ton of his like more dramatic work. But like when he's in fucked up movies like uh, Dad of the Year or Best Dad, like the one where his kid dies um, from dr- like asphyxiating when he's jerking off, and he it, it's like a whole crazy, it's a fucking crazy movie. But uh, I don't think I've seen this one. Yeah, that's uh, uh, World's Dad Best Dad, Dad. Yeah, World's Best Dad. Yeah, yeah. it's fucked mm-hmm. up, but it's really funny. But it was just like he was like a constant in my weird life as a kid, and he always mm-hmm. made me smile, and he always made me laugh. And I was also going through a tough time, like with my mental health, because mm-hmm. it was like, right. It was right around when I was like going to graduate college and all this stuff. And so like he, and we found out why he completed, like why he completed, I believe he completed suicide and like kind of why that happened. But at the time we didn't know that he had that kind of that form of dementia, correct? Is like mm-hmm. why he ended up completing suicide and I was like well if he's gonna if he can't fucking stand living in this world how can I like it was like so dark and so fucked but like because I was going through like a really dark time of like suicidal ideation like it fucking cut me to pieces so I haven't watched one of his movies in a long time but I still got taken back to like the warmth and how much I loved him Mm -hmm. like I wasn't as sad as I thought I was going to be because it like just took me back to like the comfort I found in his movies and him as a like his voice of like, the genie in Aladdin. Yeah. Oh, he was just hook. He's just. And I remember seeing him in, in Mork and Mindy. Mork like, and Mork, Mindy. Yes. Yeah, that's like I before I even know who he, knew who he was, I would catch, I believe, reruns of that show on on television, and you know to go from that and then to see him as as Hook and or in Hook as Peter Pan and. Just like I don't know, all the the stuff. He just was such a warm, a warm person on the screen, mm-hmm. like most of the time. I, and he then there was just... like once in a while where he wasn't. Like for instance, a one hour photo. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Like he's had some yes. dark performances, but like I don't know. He just same same with me, Mary Beth. He was just like he was sort of like always there in my childhood. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. he was in fucking the bicentennial man. Yeah, that's the man. that's oh, what that I was movie about to ruined. say. That movie Ooh. fucked my shit. I've not seen it. <gasps> it is sad. It is it's a sad movie. So but but yeah, sad. I mean, and, and I think, you know, like, you know, this is also like, you know, a great, you know, movie to watch to like kind of, you know, think about because like, you know, when you think about everything that he went through and, you know, the way that it turned out versus, you know, when you watch the different versions of, you know, him in these movies, you know, you get to, you know, remind it and it's like, in this one like this is like you know his like the the perseverance you know like you know his character like had to endure so much and so it's like it's it's almost nice getting to watch this and being like no like see he he persevered and he made it through and like i mean he went through like all that stuff like came out it's kind of nice to watch in that way yeah yeah Mm -mm -mm. oh we love you robin williams you're great let me miss you yeah that's what Uh, anyway Oh, I forgot he was in Flubber. Oh, I love yep. Flubber. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, the Birdcage. 
the bird cage. Oh, okay. Before I start crying, um, let's give this a rating out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Terry, how many bad CGI monkeys out of five do you give Jumanji? Uh, there's going to be four bad C- CGI monkeys in my uh, in my version of this movie. Uh, this I you know it was weird watching this as an adult because like I said I had no recollection of pretty much anything of this movie. I vaguely remembered the monkeys shooting um, the shotgun in the car, but like this was like watching it for the first time to the point that like when we get to the end and it's like back in time, I'm like, what? Like, it just, I, I forgot all about this movie and I don't, I don't, I honestly do not know why, but it was like a breath of fresh air. There's, there's a lot to this movie that I absolutely loved. And there's a lot to it that it was a lot more sinister than I remembered as a kid. Uh, it just, it's a, I don't know. It's a quintessential kid movie in that regard where it's like, there's danger to it and it doesn't, treat kids with like safety gloves and there's danger and there's excitement and there's humor i just i don't know this movie is a lot of fun so for me it is for bad cgi monkeys uh what about you mary beth so i'm gonna think about four and a half because that half is fueled by nostalgia and obsession with this movie but the other four come from a lot of what you're saying terry but like i just have a deeper appreciation for all of the levels this movie is working on and how it's not just a funny movie about a silly board game but like people trying to go to grieve and parse their trauma and like face their fears and really like kind of confront the things that scare them in a way that is like seems like a more external threat and having it's i mean it's scary as shit but it's a good like it's a better way to you know really understand your emotions and i think it's just so fucking fun robin williams is incredible everyone in this movie is so good and it's just like a stacked 90s cast Bonnie Hunt, we didn't even talk about bonnie Hunt as as sarah so good so good so I, I just everything about this movie is like speaks to my childhood and like mm-hmm. things that I liked as a kid and it just and I'm it's just as good as it was when I watched it as a kid I'm so glad it's just as fun and I have an even deeper appreciation for it now so Devon you have a final word how many seed bad CGI monkeys out of five do you give too much I mean bad CGI aside I mean this is a five out of five for me um hell yeah says it you know I think it does everything that it should do as a film um you know like all the things that it's juggling and trying to you know juggling these subgenres these mature themes keeping a you know a tone that you know is keeps it fun but like you said like still has the air of danger to it like it's just doing a lot and like for all, all the things that it's doing it pulls it off and then like you know i can kind of cover up some of the mistakes for it for it you know just the the scope of this movie like i mean there's so many set pieces that we didn't even get to talk to because there's just so many things i mean the, 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 the grocery store scene is like super fun i mean the the monsoon uh at the end like i mean because like i love dials the the crocodile i mean i i love oh when and the surprise spiders by the way oh spiders. no i know i like, was like oh, it didn't bother me spiders they didn't, look, they didn't look real but like yeah I'm like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> we have surprise spiders in this everything i mean everything uh, i mean i'm surprised there wasn't a giant snake in here we didn't we didn't get yeah. the giant snake quota but I mean, you know, the, I love when they take like a large elaborate set and just destroy it. 
I mean, they, they took all, all the money. I mean, the house porn that we get in this. I mean, oh. they literally play the game in every like room of this house. Like they are they constantly make use of that house. They're moving you around. I like how we like are in the house for a while, leave the house, and then we come back to the house. And it's like in a completely different state and covered in the vines. And it's now wet and just like the movie is doing so much. Robin Williams, again, like at the top of his game. There's just a there's just a, a funness to this that like it, for some reason does not go away. Like it's like you you get to have all the fun and then like calm at the end. It makes you want to rewatch it because then you're like okay like now it doesn't feel like so harrowing. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just every everything works about this movie. The the set design, uh, the James Horner score is just iconic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I love it. Like there's no notes. No notes for me. <laughs> James Horner is an iconic composer. I just and he was like top of his game in the nineties. Like great, great movies. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us and bring and making me rewatch Jumanji for the first time in uh, Math is Hard. How many years <laughs> it's been since nineteen ninety five? But where can our listeners find you, and what do you have that you can plug or talk about? Thank you so much for having me. I know I've been wanting to come on for a lot. Now we have all slept at each other's houses. Podcast wise, <laughs> uh, I, I love the show. You guys are fantastic, and uh, yeah, I'm glad I got to uh, come on to this and uh, you know put a, a horror spin on a maybe not as conventional pick, but you know that's kind of what I'm known for. Uh, you yeah. can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. I uh, I direct music videos. I do photography sometimes. I make music sometimes. I I, I roller skate. So you know you can find me uh, doing those things there. But uh, you can find the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club uh, anywhere that you find podcasts um, at Bloody Blunt's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. But uh, make sure you go follow us because uh, the the name and look will be changing a little bit. But the show will be exactly the same me and my buddy garrett breaking down subgenres and franchises uh within the uh, genre world so yeah come hang out with us hell yeah so listeners you've heard from us but we want to hear from you what was your experience with jumanji send us an email at scarredbellypodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on twitter i am at mb mcandrews and i'm a gaily dreadful and of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And, and sign up for a Patreon. Yeah, become a patron on our Patreon, maybe. Thank you. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. <laughs>
I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.